Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibbyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Also, just a quick note that submissions for the Zibby Awards are open and will close on September 15th. Go to zibbyowens.com and you will find the Zibby Awards open submissions where we celebrate all the under-celebrated parts of a book, like the best spine, the best author's note, the best table of contents. And authors can nominate their own best publicists, best editors, and so on. There will be an in-person award ceremony in October in New York. You will not want to miss it. Go to zibbyowens.com. Soon Wiley is the author of When We Fell Apart, a novel. A native of Nyack, New York, Soon Wiley received his BA in English and Philosophy from Connecticut College. He holds an MFA in Creative Writing from Wichita State University. His writing has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize and earned him fellowships in Wyoming and France. He resides in Connecticut with his wife and their two cats. Welcome, Soon. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss When We Fell Apart. Thanks for having me. The answer to this for me is like every single day, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every morning, just be, every morning yeah. before eight. <laughs> it could just be present tense, right? Or, yeah, exactly. or just continuously falling apart. Yes. Mine would be when we fall apart. But anyway, <laughs> can you tell listeners a little about what this book is about and your inspiration for it? Yeah. So the the story follows our protagonist, Min, who's a Korean American. He's uh, He's also biracial and he's kind of recently graduated from college and the the book begins set in Seoul and he's decided to move to Seoul in the hopes of kind of finding a sense of belonging in terms of his identity but also in terms of his career so he a few years before this he's graduated he doesn't really love his job so he decides to take a, a job in in Seoul in Korea but the book actually opens with the the death of his girlfriend, Eugene. And the the police are kind of adamant that it's a suicide, but Min is kind of has his has his suspicions. And so the novel opens with kind of the announcement of her death. And we actually get her perspectives as well. So for Min's chapters, he's kind of searching for answers in the present of the novel, trying to figure out what exactly happened, if she did kind of take her own life, and if she did, why. And Eugene's chapters, we also get her perspective. Those begin well before she's actually even met Min. So those begin kind of when she's in high school. And her chapters kind of, at some point, they cross. So in the middle of the novel, eventually, she catch her timeline catches up to his while he's searching. But her, no, her kind of sections unravel the mystery of why exactly she might have done what she did. So there's kind of this back and forth, and we do kind of hear from both of them, but that's kind of the, the book in a nutshell. When he finds out about her death, it was just so, like the scene that you have where he's just like, this is impossible because I just saw her, right? Mm. There is that sense of when someone dies suddenly that you're just like, well, it, it couldn't possibly happen like that because... I have proof that this person was alive because it was just a few hours ago. It's so it's somehow just so hard to wrap your mind around the instant, you know, that there's just the second that you go from being, I, this is sounding ridiculous, but I don't know, you captured it very well. His complete shock and initial just unwillingness to accept what's happened, given what he knows of recent events. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, it's funny. I worked on that scene where the detective, right, is kind yep. of explaining to him what's happened. And that, to be honest, that chapter took the longest to write, even though it's it's one of the earliest ones. But yeah, I wanted to capture that sense of, you know, I think we've all experienced that sense of kind of disbelief, right, of death in general, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of, it feels so immediate and it feels so sudden. And then especially in the case of, right, of, of kind of someone taking their own life, that kind of adds another layer of disbelief, especially if this is someone who 
showed no signs, right, uh, of any kind of distress, which is something that adds kind of another layer of doubt for Min that that he kind of can't even really comprehend that this is this is what's happening. Wow. And by the way, it does not open with that. It opens with this excruciating like <laughs> shoulder injury on the rugby field where, it, you know, it's so funny with books because you never know exactly what you're going to get when you open up a book. And then, you know, here I am just like sitting, trying to read. And the next thing you know, I'm like in the midst of a rugby field with like my shoulder hurt. You know what I mean? How you can just totally lose yourself in these characters. And I was thinking to myself, like, it's very rare to open, or maybe it's the books I read mostly. I don't know. But I, I feel like it's very rare to open mid-athletic event, mm. which is silly <laughs> because athletic events have, in competition and physical, I mean, those are some of the most edge-of-your-seat events and things that can happen around. Like, why isn't that an opening scene more often? Do you know what I mean? Because you're, you, I'm, you, I'm setting the trend of, of, you know, now we're going to see all, all new novels are going to be opening mid, mid athletic injury event. Yes. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm rewriting the, my next book. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But I, I do find, I found it to be a very, it was a great opening scene. And then uh, I also found it really, and tell me, if this is actually true, and if it is, and I'm just totally ignorant, so be it. I wouldn't be surprised. But <laughs> do they really pause all the things in Seoul for these exams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that a yeah, true that's thing? A, that's a real thing. Oh my gosh! You know, and and I was I was there. So I, I lived in Seoul uh, I, for a year teaching English as a foreign language, and this was well before I was thinking about writing a book or or anything. But I, I remember you know, the day quite well, that it was just, everyone knew about the day. I mean, it's essentially almost like a national holiday, right? Or like a bank holiday where, you know, the country pretty much shuts down and there's this, I don't know, I think you could look at it as a positive and also a negative. So it's a positive in the sense of like the country comes together and like collectively makes it easier for kids to get to school on this really important day where they have to take exams. But then there's also this kind of immense like national collective pressure, right? Because like you're kind of aware of the fact that everyone knows that this is the day. But yes, they that experience of kind of taking that that test for high schoolers a little bit different than when I took my SATs or my GRE, which I remember just being a total disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in this like terrible high school situation that I've never been in before, and. Oh my gosh. Anyway, whatever. My SAT doesn't matter. <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. Yes. Okay. So tell me about the dual timeline of this whole, the dual bo- yeah. points of view, because there are sometimes there's controversy of whether different genders can inhabit different characters' mm-hmm. roles and, you know, all of that. And then I know you focus a lot on on this sort of identity as being in which you've written about and in your, um, in the book club guide, you wrote really interestingly about growing up where people didn't know your ethnicity and would always Mm -hmm. ask and make guesses. And you never kind of felt like inhabiting anything. Um, so tell me about that and sort of ownership of identity and the ability to write about it. Just like go off on that, that tangent. I mean, so I, I mean, I, George Saunders, you know, he had a book, his his most recent book, a swim, I think, it's a really complicated title, but a swim in a in a pond in the rain, I think. And he talks a lot about writing from different perspectives. And I think in general, right, it's really important for writers. Like the whole point of writing fiction is to inhabit characters 
that aren't you, right? I mean, that yes. <laughs> that is the act of fiction, right? Is that you sit there and you imagine deeply and you kind of enter this headspace of where you're in a, an imaginary character. And I think most books would be pretty bad if writers only inhabited characters that were like themselves, or at least that doesn't really sound that fun to me. But Saunders, in one of the essays in that book, talks about sometimes when that can go wrong or when readers feel as if, okay, this is no longer, this is now bordering on offensive, right? Where we've got a, a writer of a certain identity writing about something that isn't a shared experience for them. And there's some, something happens, right? Where the reader maybe feels as if, eh, I don't know if I'm still on board with this, knowing what I know about the writer. And Saunders actually just says, which I, I quite like, is that it might just be that the writing is bad and that's <laughs> what offends you, right? It's not that the writer is a bigot or that they have, you know, specific offensive ideas about this person that they're characterizing, but it might just be that the writing is bad, which I kind of like that explanation. And for me, I mean, so I, you know, Min is a character who uh, we have a lot of shared experiences. We're both biracial. We're both Korean. We both went and lived in Korea for some time. And I think that, you know, for a lot of debut novelists, I think, I mean, this is painting with broad strokes, but their first book is is close, right, to them in some way. And so that was a, an avenue in for me, at least into his character. But the funny, the funny thing is, is that when I first wrote the book, it was only from, from his perspective. Oh. And then I finished a, a draft of it and I thought, you know, this is okay. Uh, it, it got me an agent, which I was thankful for, but it didn't, I, I knew that there were some things lacking. And it also felt a little bit, felt odd to me that that we are going to follow this male character who then finds himself like through the death of his girlfriend who we never get to hear from. It just felt a little bit odd, right? Mm -hmm. Like boy meets girl, girl dies, boy finds himself and is like happy, <laughs> right? It just feels, it felt a little bit odd not to hear from her. So I put his sections aside and then I actually wrote her point of view. And I actually, you know, I, I said to myself, okay, well, let's like, what would her voice sound like? And she was already a character in the book. She was already fully formed. She had lines of dialogue, but we just never got her perspective. And so I started writing her chapters and, you know, from the first, pers uh, first person perspective. And those chapters were actually far more fun to write and they were actually easier to write than Min's. So kind of if I could aggregate like time spent, it was like 60%, 70% on Min's chapters and the rest was on Eugen's chapters. And for some reason, her character, her voice and her experience, which are obviously have nothing to do with anything that I experienced were far easier to write, which I kind of spe speaks to kind of what your initial question is about is just that, you know, fiction is really about imagining and kind of putting yourself in, in the shoes of characters that you really have nothing in common with. And so sometimes the characters that you're actually closer to personally, right. And that you do have shared experience with, sometimes those are harder to write. Cause I think you're, you're then bringing all sorts of like personal baggage, right. Which isn't, isn't always that helpful in some ways it is, but in some ways it isn't. Wow. Well, that is very interesting. See, this is what you never know. Like, no, I would never have thought that that her that her chapters were not part of this initial thing because that felt so that feels so integral to the whole story. 
But there you go. This is why these conversations are so interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah, guys. and it's it's probably, you know, and it's a good thing too, because I, I think it makes, it certainly makes the book better, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was like totally rooting for her and her success to like get out. And when her parents were like, we're going to come move to Seoul too, or we're going to come move in with you for college. She was like, uh, <laughs> please don't. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I'm sure some, some kids, depending on what age they're reading it are, are going, God, I hope, hope that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Although I kind of get it as a parent. I'm like, oh, well, how great. Let's pretend my kid went to like, you know, Santa Barbara. That would be yeah, nice perfect. to live in Santa we'll, Barbara, you know? <laughs> we'll move the family for four years. Yeah, exactly. Real estate college at the same, you know. Exactly. Perfect. Anyway, perfect. So this was your first novel. Tell me about getting into fiction writing at all at this point, like what you've been doing alongside yeah. it. So I guess I first started writing when I was, you know, kind of in college. I was trying things out. I I didn't, you know, I, I didn't consider myself a writer. I wasn't, uh, I was an English major, but I, I don't even think we could major in creative writing at my, the school I went to. And I, on a whim, I kind of entered this short story contest at my college and I didn't win first place, but I, I shared first place with one of my good college friends. And I had, there was a writing teacher there named Blanche Boyd and she emailed me and she was like, who are you? Why don't I know who you are? Why aren't you in my class? So I ended up taking one creative writing class with her, um, my like last year, basically in college. And she was very adamant. You know, she said, don't get your MFA, just go like kind of live your life. And, you know, you can always go to school later. And so I did that. I went to Korea and then I ended up applying to MFA programs two years after that. And I was, you know, just predominantly working on short stories, but I, I still, you know, and I I think a lot of writers feel like this. I didn't feel like a writer. I mean, kind of when, when your friends are all doing normal jobs, like making money, actually living their lives in the real world, like going to graduate school is a very kind of bizarre thing, especially for creative writing, because you don't actually need a degree to write creatively. So it's, it already feels kind of stupid. (laughs) You know, so I was doing that. So that was actually in Kansas, funnily enough. So they gave me like the most money. So I just went there and, you know, I was writing creative writing stories and then, but then I kind of saw the writing on the wall in terms of jobs. And so I ended up becoming a high school English teacher. So I got a great gig teaching English um, in DC and That was, I worked there for seven years and pretty much when I started my job there, I started working on this book and I didn't really know, you know, it was my first novel. I didn't know what it was or what was going to happen, but it felt good to write something that I knew I didn't have to workshop because in graduate school, you have to workshop everything and you have to get feedback. So the book basically took me seven years. So from the time I started that job in DC, and then I live in Connecticut now, but I, I worked at that job in DC for seven years. And so basically from start to finish, that's how long it took me to get kind of the the book, kind of everything written, revised agents, editors, that whole kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of wild. Cause I think in, in some parts of the book I wrote seven years ago and then other parts I wrote, you know, a year ago. So it's very odd to kind of think about, you know, well, you know, this, like you, you, you're a different person, right? You're, you're different and you're the same, but then it's weird that the book is this kind of single, single entity. So there's kind of this magic trick, I think that 
as a writer, you kind of have to inhabit this weird book space that isn't reliant on time or anything like that, just so that it can be like a single entity that makes sense. Totally. Plus, maybe you're getting better as a writer as the years go on. I I hope. (laughs) Well, that I think that's true also, right? So then it's like, that's also the concern, right? It's like, okay, if I'm getting better as a writer, which you hope, does that mean that the beginning of the book is like crap and the end of the book Mm -hmm. is really good? And then you kind of have to go back. And then I also think one of the things I was really paranoid about is okay, I've revised the first like 80 pages of the book probably a hundred times because, you know, those are the pages that you're working on the most. Those are the pages maybe you're submitting to agents or editors. And also if you're editing, you usually start from the beginning or at least I do. So then the end of the book, I probably didn't revise nearly as much as the first. So, So maybe that's actually how it works is that you're better by the end, so you don't have to revise as much. And that's why you've had to revise so much in the beginning. But I'm not sure how it works. Yeah, maybe everybody should read our books backwards. I, I mean, maybe that... <laughs> I kind of like that idea, actually. The sample chapter out there should not be at the beginning. It should, should definitely be a later chapter. Exactly. It's funny. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So are you working on a new project? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, you know, so I was fortunate enough to, to get a, a two book deal. So I, I am kind of working on something, which also is a very weird process because when I was working on the first book, I didn't know that it was going to be published. So there was a certain kind of freedom to that because freedom and, and anxiety, right. Of, of like, okay, I'm working on this thing for seven years. It might never get published. That's scary. Um, but now I'm working on something and I'm like, this is definitely going to get published. And that's actually scarier. And, you know, again, I mean, to, to work on something for seven years, it feels, I think, I feel like the time spent on it, you know, has made it a strong fiction kind of effort, but to then write a book and I don't know, I'm going to have to, (laughs) can't be seven years. That's for sure. So it's going to be interesting. I think the process will be really different. 
Wow. And you can't say anything about that? I think it it will be in the same vein as... So in When We Fell Apart, I was very interested in trying to write, you know, successfully, hopefully, a mystery and a literary book. So... Yeah. You know, those are the kind of books that I that I really enjoy. So I think I'm going to write something. It, I'm working on something in a similar vein of of kind of a, a mystery at the center of it, but hopefully something with some kind of literary aspirations. So, what are some of those books that you love that are in that genre? Um, I, you know, it's so funny. A book that I didn't read until so Celestings, everything I never told you. Mm-hmm. I was working on my book. And that book came out and I had a friend mention it to me and I was like, I can't read this book right now. Because, you know, sometimes when you read stuff that is a little bit too close to home, it can be a little bit demoralizing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, you know, she's done it. So I might yeah. as well just pack it in now. Yeah. But I did eventually read that. And, and that to me is kind of a, a really fantastic example of a, of a kind of a, a mystery, but with kind of real kind of meaty questions, right. And kind of big questions to, to discuss, you know, something we don't, I I don't think Sally Rooney's normal people is billed as a mystery at all, but there is real mystery there. Like the characters are mysteries and, and kind of what's going on at home and what's the deal with the families and kind of the family dynamics there. So that's, that's one of my favorites as well. And then I'm also a huge Haruki Murakami fan. So the, the Japanese author, and he's always got kind of some mystery bubbling beneath the surface, even if it's really something dumb, like this green little monster showed up in my backyard and I don't know how to get rid of it. I think that's how one of his short stories begins. And then the British writer, Kazuo Ishiguro, who Mm -hmm. I think his most recent book, Clara and the Sun, Mm -hmm. but he's always got some type of, and again, those aren't really, you know, traditional mystery novels, but I think they always have some kind of like narrative thread that's pulling us through, right? That we kind of want to know, even if it's as vague as like, I don't really know what's going on here. So I'm going to kind of keep reading to find out. Well, I have to admit, I did not read Clara and the Sun, although I knew all about it and wish I had done so. (laughs) But I did get to see him accept an award at, I think it was either the Poets and Writers or Center for Fiction. or Yeah, Center for Fiction, I think was last year. Yeah, two years ago. So... I feel like now I got to know him a little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, he was so humble and yet so well-spoken and anyway, it's on my list. It's on that. Well, I, list. for me, like his, um, remains of the day, which is also yeah. an amazing movie, mm-hmm. um, with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. I, I probably shouldn't plug the movie that's sacrilegious, but the, <laughs> that book is like phenomenal. It's one of my favorite books and, and very much has kind of a, a mystery to it. So, yeah, if only there were more time. I know, I know. You well, you need a lot more time because I you've got a lot of books to read, a lot more books than I have to read. I should start another podcast of just like books I've missed. You know what I mean? Like books I wish I'd read. Yeah, in the past, just but listing hadn't. or just listing books that you need to oh, read. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Well then it's embarrassing to me. Then it's like then people can see how completely uh, you know, how many holes I have in my in my reading repertoire. So Let's not call attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a Herculean effort, though. I mean, I I think, you know, for for people that don't know the publishing industry, once I, I've had a few friends just say, I can't believe like how many books come out every mm-hmm. week, right? Yeah. It's like this machine, and it's endless. And you know, there there are more books released than like 
Netflix shows and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's endless. So I think you should be commended regardless of, oh, of well, your, <laughs> of your number of books read. <laughs> Thank you. It is, it is impossible. And I think a lot about this, but this is like a whole separate conversation. <laughs> so the, the supply and demand of the publishing industry and how there is just not, is there enough time and are there enough readers to justify how many books are always coming out? Does it make sense? Should there be some more limits? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I, to- I totally agree. I mean, I, I feel like, and, and again, this is probably not content that no one wants to hear <laughs> tuning into this <laughs> podcast, but, you know, I was thinking about, I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but, you know, it's like that harkens back to a time when there were like three or four summer movies, right? And it was like, okay, Top Gun, let's go see the the one summer movie that's out. And I do wonder about that in terms of books, where it does seem like, you know, there there can't possibly be this many people that want to read this many books. So it's it's kind of interesting to see. I, I think what what will happen in in the future. I think that is why I felt so relieved seeing the new Top Gun <laughs> because because <laughs> I literally felt like it it was like oh there are still like big movies that keep me riveted like my attention span for movies and TV is, is, has declined. I think as I read more, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just like, Oh great. We're all going to see this movie. How nice. We can talk about the same thing, but I think that's why there's now this over-reliance on, on book club picks. Right. Mm, um, Right. Like just tell me what to read. Just tell tell me me what what to, which is, which I'm kind of trying to do with this podcast, right. (laughs) With curation, but yet I have like 365 episodes a year. So it's not totally curated, but I'm hoping people find at least, you know, honestly, even picking this many is winnowing it down from like the bazillions that that could be read. So I think in 10 years, we're going to have a podcast that aggregates the podcast that you should listen to. Right. I mean, that's kind of like where we're at. We've got so many podcasts that we're going to need someone to tell us which podcast to listen to and also which book club picks to pick. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. <laughs> there yeah. is something called Good Pods where you can like follow recommendations okay. of your friends. Got it. See, it's already happening. It's already happening. <laughs> you're, you're behind already. I'm sorry. You know, good luck. Okay. Last question. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? You know, I, I'm a big believer in just keep writing. I, I think that's what separates people that succeed and, and people that don't. And, and if you're if you're willing to, at whatever stage you're at, to keep writing regardless of setbacks and regardless of, I think, time spent. I think we, we have a very warped perception of like years years spent working on something and, and the kind of payoff. So if you're okay with working on something for 10 years, um, which which again, sounds crazy, but then I think in, in novel years, it 10 years actually isn't that long, which is also scary to think about. So yeah, just keep writing no matter what. I, I think that's really what separates the people that find success and and the people that maybe, you know, tap out. Just, it's not for me. I'm, I'm out of the game. <laughs> I wonder what other art forms or, or whatever takes so long. And then to read doesn't take that long at all. Like I spent yeah. almost 18 years on this memoir on and off and people are like, I read it in three hours or something. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> Does that even make sense? Like, should I, you know what I mean? Like all that time totally. for me. And then, you know, then up and then they put it down onto the next. It's like, okay. well, and I, I think I, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. I, I've experienced that as well. When people say I read it in one night, it's like, 
I, I'm so happy that you did, but also how is that possible that you consume something in in a single night? But I, I agree also to your point about, you know, the worst part about writing is that you can't even show people what you've been working on. So at least if you're like a sculptor, right, you could be like, look, I've been carving this piece of rock for 18 years. And like, here's what's, here's what it was before. And here's what it is now you're painting or you're writing music. You can kind of play someone a sample, but when you're writing, it's just like, you're just going to have to take my word for it. Like I'm working on something. It exists. You can't see it. I don't want anyone to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. And yet I'm going to spend, you know, a, a decade working on it. <laughs> Especially because, okay, sorry, we should go, but you know, I'm thinking obviously movies take a long time, right? Mm. That, that, that is, there's so That's much, true. but there's so many people who work on those movies, right? You could have hundreds of people. True, It's a team. And writing is just like, okay, I'm going to, Change the sentence again, or I don't know. Anyway, the struggle is real, <laughs> but but the payoff is great. I mean, then you yeah. get these fabulous books, and it's amazing. So anyway, congratulations! Yeah, thanks for the thank chat. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. All right, take All care. Right. Thanks Bye-bye. so much, Zibi. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.